You are listening to a podcast from Australia's best-known community radio station, 3RRR, 102.7 in Melbourne. There are many different hubs for Fringe around town. There could well be a Fringe venue near you, if you, whether you live in Box Hill or over in Williamstown, wherever you may be. But one of the hubs that sprung up this year is called Emerald City, and it features a broad range of performers, one of whom is my first guest for the morning. Jess Love is performing in a show called Notorious Strumpet and Dangerous Girl, <laughs> and the title alone enthralls me. <laughs> Jess, welcome to Triple R. Thank you. Now, um, you've been uh, a circus performer for many, many years, uh, and people may have seen you, whether performing in uh, The Candy Butchers, for example, or in your solo show in The Little One Said, which um, was uh, on Fringe in 2009. Correct. Yeah. So you've been overseas for a while, but back with a brand new show. I have, yeah. I started writing this show in 2010, and since then I've kind of, you know, I moved to England, I got married to my wife, I got divorced from my wife, I had an emotional breakdown, hit rock bottom and crawled back to life. So there you go. So it's a fairly action-packed life that you've been living. Um, <laughs> but what I'm really intrigued about with this show is it's about your life, but it's also about an ancestor. You've been doing some, what, digging around in the family tree. Yeah, well, I basically uh, found out through my uncle, who's a genealogist and a historian, that we have some convict ancestors in our history. And I became super fascinated with one woman in particular, and she's my great-great-great-great-grandmother, and her name's Julia Mullins. And the title of the show actually comes from a quote about her, that the ship's surgeon uh, on the ship over, the Providence to Van Diemen's Land, famously quoted her as a notorious trumpet and dangerous girl, and then went on to say a myriad of horrible things about her. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, that's just golden a golden quote. How could I not? <laughs> I, I did wonder whether kind of, the, the, the dangerous girl was you and the notorious trumpet <laughs> was, uh, was Julia Mullins. Or, uh, well, I guess, I guess we're kind of both in a way. <laughs> I mean, it depends how you look at it. <laughs> in terms then of creating a solo show like this, because you just said that you're writing it. Now, writing uh, is not necessarily something that I associate um, with the circus arts to that degree. Sure. Like there might be a show idea or an outline, but it seems like this is quite a... Is this a text-heavy show as well as a performance-heavy show? Yeah, this is, this is sort of uh, more theatre using circus as opposed to circus theatre. Uh, so there is a lot of text. There's also a lot of circus, but it's very different to, um, to my last show and the little one said, or a lot of the other stuff that people might have seen me in. Um, so, uh, so I'm quite scared. <laughs> I'll be honest. I'm shitting myself. <laughs> Nothing wrong with a little bit of uh, a little bit of terror to drive a performance. Exactly. I mean, it's a good thing. I'm I'm really excited as well. It's as I said, it's been five years in the making. It's very close to my heart, and yeah, it's been a long journey. So now, given that it has been so close to your heart for such a long time, one of the challenges I imagine would be uh, what everybody says to artists initially writers but I think it applies to all artists, the, the notion of kill your darlings. So those perfectly formed phrases that no longer have a part in a, in a, in a text, for example, edit them out. How do you edit and shape Oof. a show like this, particularly yeah. when you are so attached to it? It's really tough, a director, <laughs> that just is, you know, 
completely cutthroat about what what stays and what goes. And sometimes I spend a good hour fighting for something. <laughs> but at the end of the day, you know, I'm I'm on the inside and I can't see what is making the show richer and fuller from where I am. So I do need somebody. You do need somebody out there to tell you like no, just let it go. And do you have one director who looks after the whole show or one who's more focused on the circus arts and perhaps a second director who's more focused on the text and the theatre side of things? I have a lot of advice. I have a lot of people that I go to for advice. But uh, originally when I started making this show, I was still with my wife who's an amazing theatre maker and iconic cabaret performer, Ursula Martinez. So we... I talked the concept through with her. It's about, it's, uh, the show is a lot about alcoholism and drug addiction and struggles with that and making a connection with my, um, with my ancestor, Julia Mullins, who in my family, there's not really any alcoholics or people that struggle with these kind of issues. And I always felt quite aside from them because I have a, a, a nice like of good wine, etc. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it was something that I didn't really, relate to my family about and then I then I found out about this convict ancestor and started looking into her and she was quite famous and there's a lot of stuff about her and she was arrested many times mostly for being drunk and disorderly and this is after she was sent to Tasmania so I I had this massive connection with her when I started writing the show it wasn't about the drugs and the alcohol it was about the convict ancestry and trying to find links between myself and her and then I found out there were many more links than I realized (laughs) so that fondness for a drink is something that many people uh, experience. Mm. Uh, some of us more so than others find it just a little bit too tempting. Yeah. And uh, so in terms then of, of that connecting thread, ex- talk to us about how you chose to explore that both thematically but also then theatrically. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's an interesting one because uh, the show is set in an AA meeting and that doesn't sound like much fun. <laughs> well, <laughs> you'd be surprised. So I, I, I drink quite a lot throughout the show. <laughs> and by the end, I'm completely wasted. So, I mean, obviously, to a degree, that is theatrical. Uh, but I'm actually popping, popping champagne bottles and drinking from them on stage. So, you know, it's an interesting kind of mix of, is she really drinking? Is she not really drinking? Are we, are we supposed to, you know, it's, it's, it's quite confusing because the struggle with alcoholism is quite a confusing one. You know, you, th- you go out, there's alcohol everywhere. You think, I'll just have one drink. I'll be fine. And you have one drink. And then the next minute, you know, you're waking up in a gutter, like quite literally sometimes. So, you know, the show, it, it does have levels of, of, the audience being left thinking, is this really happening? <laughs> is this is this a dream? Is this, you know, are we a part of this AA meeting or are we at a nightclub? <laughs> uh, there's a fine line between the two, I'm sure. <laughs> Curious to know whether, uh, how difficult is it to juggle um, heavy drinking and circus arts, given that circus arts require finesse and control and focus and, and repeated training to try and perfect a skill, as opposed to boozing, falling around <laughs> and, and talking about your convict ancestor, which uh, seems a little bit more chaotic and fun. <laughs> Well, I guess that's, you know, that's the thing that a lot of people don't know about that side of circus arts is that it is heavily entrenched in a drinking and party culture. And I think it has a lot to do with the fact that you work nights, you do extremely intense physical uh, uh, movements and cardio and things like that. And your adrenaline is through the roof and it's 11 p.m. at night. 
and there's no way you're going to get to sleep you know unless you think or you feel unless you go and have a drink or you know it's also that that adrenaline circus performers inherently love risk-taking behavior i mean it's a part of the job if if you didn't you'd be in trouble almost you know uh so it's 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 all a part of the parcel for a lot of us and um i can only speak for myself but it certainly over time became a problem for my work and my personal life and you know these things these things make great art I'm really intrigued and looking forward to seeing Notorious Drumpet and Dangerous Girl. The the combination of personal story, historical uh, precedence, the connection across time between yeah. between you and Julia Mullins, your your convict ancestor. Uh, yeah, she fascinates me as well. I'd really like to know more about her, but there is limited information about that sort of that far, you know, that long ago. But yeah, I found out quite a lot. It's it's kind of I love the fact that. 20, 30, 40 years ago, the convict stain was something that people didn't talk about. And now we have this great love of Australian history and genealogy. Um, On my side, my my maternal grandmother's side of the family i think mm-hmm. it is uh the box we have a i've got a um a confidence trickster a female confidence trickster who masqueraded <laughs> as a man married oh, brilliant. married an heiress and was apparently planning to bump her off on the honeymoon oh, cruise no that's fantastic so there's a story in that i think everybody every convict ancestor has a story in it but yours sounds particularly intriguing just because of the the commonalities perhaps mm. the 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 way the genetic loop has kind of caught up with you x many generations later yeah exactly and i mean i had to do loads of research into that too into genetics which you know is not my forte i'll be (laughs) honest (laughs) but yeah so i've actually learned quite a lot i've learned a lot about dna i've learned a lot about and i I do have a kind of like little science animation in the show that's that explains the idea of a throwback gene the possibility of that that my whole family immediate and as far back as i can see aren't alcoholics or have alcoholic behavior and it's a possibility that that is sort of an atavism gene throwback situation so you can come along to see this show be entertained learn a bit about genetics and conflict <laughs> ancestry and alcohol it's got everything and circus art and there's free well. tea and coffee <laughs> for those of us who so, well, i was going to say those of us who don't drink but why am i including myself in that group um uh, there's also of course circus arts in uh, 2009 you broke the world record for the most number of hula hoops spun at one time 115 in total correct uh, I, I don't know if you're going to do that again in this particular show, but just quickly, what other circus arts can people expect to see? Well, I am hula hooping. Uh, I mean, it's it was the main discipline I did at NICA when I graduated in 2003, and, you know, that's my main bread and butter, and the show is all about me and kind of those connections, so it would be silly not to. <laughs> but I'm going to do this a little bit of trapeze, there's some skipping, some jump rope, and there's lots of other silly moments too. It's a very fun show. It's very funny. It's quite dark at times, but it's a lot of fun. Just love. It's been lovely having you on the show. It's been lovely to see you again. And uh, appropriately, given what we've been talking about, we're going to hear a track called Wild Animals. Uh, <laughs> it's by The Weekend People. Uh, rectifying that to talk about an exhibition called I Never Painted My Dreams, I Painted My Reality, which is looking at, it's a survey of 11 
practicing Victorian Aboriginal artists. Uh, it's on at the Kingston Arts Centre in Moorabbin. So if you've been listening to the show thus far going, oh, I don't want to have to go into Brunswick or Fitzroy or, or the CBD to see work. What's something that's on near me if you live out near Moorabbin? Well, stay tuned. Joining me in the studio, we have the co-curator of the exhibition, I Never Painted My Dreams, I Painted My Reality, Hannah Presley, and also from the Kingston Art Centre, it's Visual Arts Coordinator, Justin Gaynor. Welcome to you both. Thank Thanks, you Richard. for having us. So, um, Hannah, let's start with you. Where did the, the seed, the kernel uh, of this exhibition grow from? Uh, I've been working with the Victorian Aboriginal Arts Community for a few years now, um, and I was approached by Justin to put a show on uh, to link in with the Fringe Festival. Uh, so I had a chat to Elizabeth Little, who um, she's the brains behind the Victorian Indigenous Art Awards, um, and we thought about... The fact that there were no awards this year, how can we do a little survey show that looks at some of the great work that's being created at the moment? Um, and it just kind of came from that. Okay, so it's a snapshot of work that's been created, what, in the last year or two? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we gave the artists an option to go back and um, look at works that had been important in their career. Um, but a lot of artists decided that what they're doing now was more exciting. <laughs> and so we ended up with a lot more new works than we thought um, we were going to get. So, yeah, it's a bit of a mix. Yeah. And just in, in terms then of... Uh, putting this exhibition on yeah. why an exhibition is part of fringe and why uh, a focus on indigenous art yeah well i think um we're looking to build our amount of programmed exhibitions uh from the kingston art center um where um traditionally we've been doing programmed events just for nadoc which has been really great but that's only really ever involved a solo artist and we thought wouldn't it be nice to have a um exhibition of um, Aboriginal artists that was a standalone exhibition outside, I guess, of those national days and weeks of celebration when a lot of uh, Aboriginal artists are so busy, you know, and then it goes all quiet um, in between. So um, we thought, what better way than to um, approach a, a talented curator in Hannah and um, put together um, a great survey exhibition to give a real great snapshot of, um, you know, the diverse practices that um, Aboriginal artists are working with at the moment in Victoria. And there is a really diverse array of art forms and, and works presented in the exhibition, I understand. Yeah, Everything from is. from weaving and sculpture through to uh, more two-dimensional works as well and with uh, uh, painting and photography. Yeah, it's actually a really good insight into... Uh, the kinds of work people are making at the moment. Um, we've got uh, the more like traditional painting and um, those practices, but we've got a um, film showing in the space as well. Um, we've got photography. We've we've pretty much got everything covered. It's it's amazing what people are making and doing at the moment. Um, it's all very relevant. Um, they're, I think, giving the artists the opportunity to talk about what's important to them and not. Um, kind of so not limiting it by a, yeah, a really with a theme or, or something that um, yeah it was more about what's important to them and their career and talking about being a practicing artist in Victoria and and being an Aboriginal artist at the moment yeah I, I'm I really like the idea of it being such an an 
a broad theme rather than a, a narrow, limited scope of saying we only gonna, are looking for uh, works on paper, for example, or, or yeah. works uh, addressing Well, it makes it. it a lot more interesting when you go and see the show and it's like, oh, what's this? And, oh, wow, they're doing this as well. And who's this artist? And Does it also, though, complicate um, it for you as a, as a curator in terms of hanging the work? <laughs> uh, to, to Absolutely. Because <laughs> yeah. I'm just thinking about yeah. trying to ensure that works kind of engage in dialogue with one another, for example, yeah. rather than clashing ideas or themes or juxtapositions. It's actually a really important part, um, the, the install. So Liz and I spent a day in the space with the work, um, just looking at how things were talking to each other um, and, yeah, creating a bit of a narrative through the space, even though the work isn't necessarily um, about a theme like we're talking about. Um, there are a lot of themes that sort of run through Aboriginal art that um, that do connect. So um, connection to country, um, family, um, identity, things like that. Um, but a lot of the the ideas that the artists in the show are talking about are quite complex um they're, they're beyond that uh initial kind of identity politics they're um a lot more relevant to their everyday lives and um yeah so i think you get to a point where you're like this needs to be on this wall <laughs> and if that's there then this guy needs to be next to it um and it just comes together and i'm really really happy with the the flow of the show it's it's sitting really well and each work has its own um presence and its own space and um yeah because it is so diverse you have to be really careful that things aren't encroaching and yeah it's i'm i'm really happy with how it worked out and justin are you happy with uh, uh visitors so far because the exhibition opened on the the first of september it did yeah so and uh, so it's now been on show for what a couple of weeks what's it, the response from the from visitors been like it's actually been really positive um which we're thrilled um about and i was just saying to hannah um just when we we're in the waiting room that um yesterday we had a number of school groups through but we haven't put out any um education packs or anything like that as part of the program so it's great to see that that they've just the teachers have taken the initiative and and brought the kids along um and uh, weekends are usually our busiest time and it's just been yeah it's, it's people a constant flow of people through which is really positive now, for people who haven't been uh, to the Kingston Arts Centre before, uh, it's on the Nepean Highway, 900, uh, uh, 979 Nepean Highway, Moorabbin, and uh, kingstonarts.com.au if you want to check it out. Um, uh, Justin, quickly talk to us about the the space and about the venue itself for, for people who don't know it. Sure. So I suppose we come under what's called Kingston Arts and we're the arts department of the city of Kingston um, and we're located across a number of venues. Um, there's the Kingston Arts Centre and the Kingston City Hall which are next to each other and um, obviously this exhibition's at the Kingston Arts Centre. Then we've got another space down in Parkdale which is a bit further north. That's called the Shirley Burke Theatre. And uh, that's named after, I think, one of the first female mayors when it was the city of Moravan. Um, so that's a theatre and a gallery space as well. So we've, we have three galleries spread across two venues. Um, and both are in very close proximity to the train station, both Parkdale and Moravan train station, um, and only about yeah, 20 minutes from the city. Um, and we run uh, a number of programmed and um, community um, arts events um, and we've got, yeah, a very active program of visual arts and performing arts um, that we do in line with most of the major festivals yeah. in Melbourne. So, yeah. um, it's one of the... It, I think sometimes people forget the important role that local councils play in supporting yes. the arts in Australia. Yeah, I, I think so too. And, you know... Um, 
just being this is quite a general comment, I just think that you know there has been a large focus over the years, I suppose, with inner city galleries and those in regional um, parts of Victoria. But you know, Melbourne is a huge, sprawling city, and I think the art centres will play a more increasing role and are now, you know, in bridging that gap um, with so many people living in the suburbs. And I guess, Hannah, in terms of talking about bridging a gap, the role that this exhibition can play, uh, it's not just an aesthetic one, it's also perhaps a, a political one and an educational one as well, as we've heard there are school groups coming to see the exhibition yeah, and yeah. to be reminded that um, uh, Aboriginal culture is not just the the oldest continual culture uh, in the world, but also a rich, uh, vibrant and, a, and growing culture. It's not just kind of dot paintings on bark from a couple of hundred years ago. These are living (laughs) artists making work now and responding to the world around them. That's so well said. Thank you. Yes. Um, I think uh, for Victorian Aboriginal artists, they're up against a lot historically um, when it comes to the art scene in itself. Um, Like you said, you're talking about dot paintings and bark bark paintings and and works that are uber famous. Um, People look to other places. Um, An example is Donna Blackhall, who um, is a weaver, based in Ballarat. She's a Yorta Yorta weaver. Um, her work in the show is this beautiful grass basket um, using a coiling technique that's been around since the beginning of time. Um, and here it is in a contemporary arts environment. Um, so there's a lot to... Um, there's a lot going on here that's um, exciting and dynamic and um, and relevant. Um, and it, yeah, it's nice to be able to present that and talk about that. This is yeah, there's things happening here. People are doing really, really amazing work. Um, and pay attention. <laughs> you don't have to go to the desert. You don't have to go, you know. I mean, that's great too, but um, but there's there's so much happening here. Who are some of the other artists in the exhibition? Uh, Peter Waples Crow um, is in the show with um, a beautiful new work, uh, working with his uh, Narugu uh, Dingo Um from where he's from. Um, who have we got? We've got Brendan Kennedy with some beautiful painting. Uh, Marie Clark is uh, in the wor- uh, in the show with a ceramic breastplate with some amazing eagle feathers that are well worth seeing. Um, it's not very often you get to see uh, feathers from an eagle that are that magnificent. It's um, worth looking at. Yeah. We've got a work from the picture-making fellas um, from Ballarat who are really exciting. It's like a black-on-black portrait. Um, talking about blackface, which is really, again, a relevant topic at the moment. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So um, Lisa Welp with uh, Works on Paper. Georgia Maguire has done this amazing work of um, uh, bark paper flowers, which are like nothing you've ever seen. Um, yeah, so there's, there's a lot of artists in the show that... Um, uh, have been working as professional artists for a long time, and um, yeah, we're really lucky to have ha- like to have them all in the one space. So, the exhibition is called "I Never Painted My Dreams; I Painted My Reality," which is a Frida Kahlo line, I believe. It is, yeah. yes, another uh, Indigenous artist. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and the exhibition is on at uh, Kingston Art Centre, located at two to twenty-seven. Uh, sorry, uh, <laughs> on from the uh, until the twenty-second of September. September, uh, and it's at uh, 979 Nepean Highway, Moorabbin. More info at kingstonarts.com.au. I've been talking to Hannah Presley, the co-curator of the exhibition, and Justin Gaynor from Kingston Arts. Thank you both for joining us here at Triple R. Thanks for having Thanks, us. Thanks, Richard. Thank you. 
There is so much at Melbourne Fringe to talk about. Basically, the whole show today has been about Melbourne Fringe because there is something for everybody, whether it's Indigenous visual art, whether it's circus exploring convict ancestry and alcoholism, whether it's stand-up comedy, uh, whatever it may be, there is something uh, in Melbourne Fringe for you. And as I've been saying throughout the show today, one easy way to kind of get your head around the Melbourne Fringe program, because let's face it, with 450-plus shows, I think, and 6,000 artists, um, it's a bit difficult to navigate if you don't have an in. So one way to do that is to find a venue near you uh, and just see what they have on offer. Go and see one show, a couple of shows a night, take a risk, whatever. But uh, one such venue is Gasworks Arts Park uh, in Graham Street, Albert Park, which has been a fringe hub for quite a few years. Uh, and... This year is no exception. Uh, Frank Minetti is the director of the Boardwalk Republic, which is the, the kind of umbrella program at Gasworks this year. Uh, Frank, welcome. Uh, thank you very much, Richard. Thanks for having us on board. Uh, absolute pleasure. And we've got a couple of artists in as well. Anna Murray uh, is performing in The Element of Consequence and Jonathan Morgan in By a Thread. Welcome to you both. Thank you. So, Frank, why why cluster shows and how do you choose what you're going to cluster together in a hub? Well, I guess the the idea behind clustering all the shows together is to basically give people's audiences a chance to experience something else. So you go in seeing one show, argument's sake, at the element of consequence, and then they find out about another show that they like. If they like Circus, then they can go see another show like Buy a Thread or one of the other shows like Four or More Circus with their um, out-of-space show. Um, so that's, the, that's meant to be the idea of um, clustering a bunch of shows in a collection of two venues. Um, yeah, that's that's basically what we're aiming to do. And the theme that's emerged at Gasworks over recent years has been very much, it's become a circus venue during Yeah, French. absolutely, because, because Gasworks is such a great venue for circus. Um, they've got the height for it, the space for it in both of their venues. Um, we, we took on the idea of this kind of Coney Island and Atlantic City boardwalk, a bit of a boardwalk empire-themed kind of show. Uh, Except without the murders. Without, without the, uh, <laughs> the gangster and all that kind of stuff, yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, and we call it the Boardwalk Republic to try and play on the idea of it being um, a, a lost-in-time kind of carnival. So, yeah. Cool. Uh, and so, as part of that, we have the element of consequence and by a thread and a couple of other shows as well, which we'll come to in a moment. Uh, but, Anna, let's talk about the element of consequence. Uh, to begin with, why do circus at all? It's kind of, it looks crazy and dangerous and scary. <laughs> oh, it completely is. Um, I guess for me personally, I just love doing circus because I was a dancer before and a gymnast before that. So it just combines so many different uh, physicalities and performance styles and everything together. And you kind of can do no wrong. There's so many different things to do within circus. And uh, you're wearing a Nike t-shirt, so I'm assuming you're a Nike grad. I am, yes. Yeah. yeah. Like so many of the circus performers I know and have interviewed over the years on this show in the decade plus since Nike has been graduating students, it's great to see people not only going out and getting employed in the industry, but making their own work as well, which I think is, is really important. Uh, Jonathan, are you a Nike grad as well? Or? I'm actually a current third year, so our whole ensemble, we've got nine people in our show, which is awesome because we can do a lot more with that many people. Uh, we're all uh, current or graduating students at the school. And for you, what's the appeal to circus? Have you come from a, a, a similar background, for example, as uh, as Anna? Or no, not really. I sort of started circus as a kind of hobby, and then it became more of a hobby. And then I was at normal person uni, and. <laughs> <laughs> 
And then I realised I was spending more time on my hobby than my actual uni. So I was like, I should probably try and do this one first. And uh, were you kind of... So you weren't like a, a flying fruit fly, for example, or... No, and you, you get very jealous of people who have gymnastics or dance backgrounds because they sort of things seem to come easier. But um, the beautiful thing about circus is it's for everyone. You, um, there's so many different niches and skill sets that if you sort of work hard, and it is a lot of hard work, but you can, you know, develop cool skills in sort of no matter what you've come from. Anna, what's your particular skill or focus? Um, I'm an acrobat, so that sort of is a few different things. I hand balance, I do a bit of contortion, and I'm an acrobatic uh, base and a middle, so I lift and get lifted a bit too. Yeah. And for yourself? Uh, predominantly, I'm an aerialist, so I do rope, and that's what our whole show is based around, is we've got uh, nine people on one long 30-metre rope and a couple of big industrial pulleys so we can pull each other around. Um, and that was kind of our impulse for the show is we wanted to do ensemble circus a lot of the acrobatic basing and supporting that Anna was talking about but we wanted to take that into an aerial space as well because that doesn't happen very often so where you're supporting each other to achieve I guess more but five metres up in the air as well Okay so just adding uh, some uh, a little bit of risk to, to what is already a, a challenging art form um, the element of consequence uh, one of the things that uh, is unique about it also, I guess, uh, Anna, is that it, uh, four women performing a show together. Yeah. Um, so there's not a huge amount of all-female ensembles um, in Australia and not even in the world particularly at the moment. So I thought it would be quite nice to get a bunch of girls together and just have a bit of a play and see what kind of cool things we could do. And quite cool things by the sound of things. Yeah. Um, Frank, I want to bring you back in at this point. How do you go around selecting the circus acts that you, you, you have programmed? Oh, that's a good question. Um, well, basically, we we, all, we scout them throughout the, the entire year and have a look at what shows are around. Um, and then we, we basically approach the, the producers and ask them if they'd be interested in it. Uh, we also use uh, Gasworks has a thing called Circus, circus Showdown. Showdown. Yep, which is an amazing thing, a great way to showcase individual acts or uh, snippets of shows and all those kind of things. Uh, we, we keep an eye on that and we look at shows that we really think would match um, our, our festival, so to speak, our festival hub. So, yeah, um, that, that's basically the, the way to hunt them down. Yeah, yeah. okay. So, uh, I, for the two of you, for your, your ensembles, the groups that you're working with, how important is it to be able to showcase work in a festival like Fringe, given that there you know... I mean, I know for a fact that leading circus artists and so on will be out there scouting, looking at work, seeing what's available. Uh, it is super important, I think, especially when you're developing a new work, to run it in in a... A sort of a more friendly environment because Melbourne Fringe, especially for us who are based in Melbourne, we get our friends and our family come along and sort of all our peer groups. So we get a really good opportunity to get some really great opinions and some uh, help within our shows, especially I know John and I both have brand new shows this season, which we've never done before. So it's been really useful in that way. And yeah, it is really good to get uh, some, you know, uh, help from some of the bigger names in circus and companies and there are producers who do come and see it who are sort of more bigger titles and it does help us get ready for maybe other fringe festivals uh, later down the track. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, Anna has a Bachelor of Circus Arts and our ensemble are kind of graduating with it but there's still no teacher like an audience. In what way? I guess um, circus, especially as an art form, is about how you connect with an audience. So you you kind of need an audience there to find out how you can achieve that. 
um, whether it's you know through your skills or how you trying to emotionally connect with them. And I think circus especially does aim to connect to an audience and I guess invite them into a world that you can create. Um, but to sort of learn how you can do that, you need an audience to try it out on. One of the other challenges, I guess, in making a brand new show is also that circus is essentially a series of tricks often. Uh, kind of, and so you'll have a routine, another routine, another routine. And the challenge is putting them together in such a way, assembling them in such a way that they then make a cohesive, coherent flow. Talk to us about that kind of challenge and how is it important, for example, to get an outside eye, someone like Frank along to look at a work in progress or uh, a director along and say to, to help chop and change and, and start structure it so it's stronger and tighter yeah definitely um we've done that a couple of times and it's been really really important to have someone else come and have a look at it especially because a lot of the show we've made is about playing on a kind of new apparatus that's not been used how we're using it before in australia so you kind of get attached to tricks that you've developed or sequences but you need someone to come in and say okay it's cool but it doesn't make sense you have to kill it and you're like oh okay fine <laughs> um so that's really important especially with creating new work because um, the idea of contemporary circus is that it should be a whole work in itself it's not just about showing a lot of high level skills um, you kind of the high level skills are important in circus and um, people get a lot out of that but which I guess we're trying to do a little bit more yeah I agree with John um, we've been lucky enough to have After Dark Theatre uh, helping as a producing body and Frank himself has been actually coming in and helping us out and looking at it and kind of going, gee guys, I think it's funny, <laughs> but I'm not sure everybody else will. Um, so it's sort of about getting rid of those inside jokes and those tricks that you do get attached to sometimes. So having other people come in and look at it has just been such a help for us as well at the Element of Consequence. And it's that classic phrase that uh, is originally applies to writing but crops up in all art forms. We, I talked about it earlier on the show, the, the idea of killing your darlings. It's just kind of like sometimes you just got to let it go no matter how dear it is to you and how close to your heart. Uh, speaking of things that are close to your heart, Frank, tell us about some of the other shows that have been programmed as part of the Boardwalk Republic at Gasworks. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, we've got an amazing show called Out of This World. I tried to say it before but I uh, I lost it um, yeah it was by Four or More Circus uh, family friendly show we've got also Mr Snotbottom uh, we've got a great kids program that's lined up uh, for the more kind of adult crowd we've also got some amazing um, dramatic theatre we did try and um, cause a little bit of variety put a bit of variety through uh, the writer um, is on at the moment and that will be on for the next couple of weeks as well um, and we've also got another uh, really interesting kind of musical act and a cabaret act uh, called the Intimate Evenings of True Love Songs um, which is also a great kind of night out for, for the grown-ups so pretty much something for every taste. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the idea with the boardwalk. We we've, we do keep it circus based, but the idea of it being a bit more variety. So having a little bit of theatre, bit of sideshow, magic, burlesque, all that kind of stuff. So we do have a couple of different acts for everyone there at the boardwalk. If you'd like to find out more information about what's on at Gasworks uh, for the Boardwalk Republic, then just the uh, easiest thing to do is go straight to the Gasworks Arts Park website, gasworks.org.au. You'll see a big link on the front page, which will take you through to where you can find out the details for all the shows. Uh, the Element of Consequence, running from the 13th to the 17th of September, and By a Thread, running from the 13th of September to the 1st of October. Sorry, it's the 30th of September. Ooh, is it? Ah, yeah. sorry. So it is. I'm looking at the wrong piece of paper. Just ignore me. <laughs> um, but yeah, so all those details and more at gasworks.org.au or you can go to uh, the Melbourne Fringe website. Uh, and there's lots of other circuit 
both shows and other shows on at Fringe. Any Anything you want to give a quick plug to? I would absolutely recommend going and seeing Sediment by Company 2. I saw it last night and it's fantastic. Uh, definitely. And there's another. There's actually three circus hubs um, this year. So if you really love circus, check out Emerald City at the Melbourne Meat Market and also check out um, the Melbourne Spiegel Tent. But, of course, go to the Boardwalk Republic first. <laughs> <laughs> brownie points for you um uh yeah there's definitely uh, uh i'm gonna try and get along to the melba spiegel tent so thank you for reminding me that i need to kind of set some time aside to do that so because uh, i think cassus are coming down from uh brisbane with uh a brand new show and a reworked show since emma Sargent has left the company i think they've remade one of their foundation works so uh, i'll be intrigued to see that as well and of course as we've heard the boardwalk republic at gasworks arts park gasworks.org.au for more info or melbournefringe.com.au Guestworks Arts Park is located at 21 Graham Street, Albert Park. Easy to get to by car, and you've got two tram routes within a few blocks of the place as well. Yeah, that's right. Then so, get uh, on the number one, I think it is. Yeah, get along and check out some stuff. Melbourne Fringe is on from today until the 2nd of October. I've been chatting with Frank, Anna, and Jonathan. Thanks heaps for coming in. Thank, Thank you very you much, so much, Richard. You have been listening to a podcast from Australia's best known community radio station, 3RRR. 2.7 in Melbourne. For more podcasts, information about upcoming events and our live stream, please visit our website at rrr.org.au.